I'm on the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CHP, see the phenol. Hey, you. Tiger. Hello, please leave a message after the tone. 
good weekend to be an Auburn Tiger. Sorry about that, about that noise there. I said it's a good weekend to be an Auburn Tiger. Good weekend to be a part of, be a part of college football. Be a part, be a part of, of everything that's that's nice about sports. Um, you know, there's a couple of things I want to get into. Um, you know, as the show goes along. You know, the whole Steve Sarkeesian uh, controversy, the Steve Spurrier uh, retirement, uh, the Will Greer suspension, Jonathan Jones' comments from Auburn, um, and and a lot more, excuse me, and a lot more uh, going on. Big weekend of college football, um, four top 20 matchups, you know, Including the big one, which is the top ten matchup, um, Florida LSU, also, also uh, Alabama Texas A&M, um, and the one that intrigues me the most, Michigan Michigan State, also the primetime game tonight, Ohio and Ohio, Ohio State Penn State. So, um, without further ado, we're gonna jump into this devotional and get it going, so that way. We can get into we can get into uh, into football and you know hear my thoughts on some things. So that being said, um, today's devotional comes from the book of James one and twenty two. Do not merely listen to the to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. According to C.S. Lewis, we have an innate sense of justice to which we appeal in disputes with other people. When we've been wronged, we cite a standard of behavior that someone else has violated. But when someone accuses us of wrongdoing, we tend to argue that we had a good reason, arguing for justifying the exemption to excuse our actions. We often hold our, we often hold others to a different standard than we apply to ourselves. Judgment is always not about justice. In this section of the Sermon of, on the Mount, God's love is compared to that of an earthly father. If we know how to give our children good gifts, we should not be afraid to persist in seeking, seeking the same from God. This kindness, in turn, should shape the way we treat others. We ought to treat others the way we ourselves want to be treated. Jesus also gives us encouragement about mixed about prayer mixed with warnings about false prophets, false disciples, and the danger of ignoring his words. The way of Jesus is the only true path, and it requires a willingness to follow him and not majority opinions. False prophets would try to deceive us. They may look at it, they may look at look like us, but they are only interested in taking advantage of us. We may also be a threat to ourselves. We can be self-deceived into thinking that we have a right to enter the kingdom of heaven, when in reality we are strangers to it. The solution Jesus prescribes to us is to take his word seriously. We are building on lives on some kind of foundation. And in the end, those whose hope is based on uh, based upon anything other than Jesus Christ will lose all they have built. Jesus' closest words in the in sermon are intended to raise questions for us about our own lives. Are you building your life on the right foundation? The only foundation that God accepts is Jesus Christ himself. 
All our attempts at righteous living will fail if he is not the center of your life. Take him at his word, and you will not be disappointed. And that's the gist of what life is all about. You know, I know you've been hearing a lot of things about temptation and things of that nature here in the last couple of weeks, but this is all building up into one thing. You know, don't take life for granted. Live your life one day at a time. Because tomorrow's not promised to you. So, and live your live your life the right way. Because if you're gone tomorrow, will you be able to get into those? Will you be able to get into the kingdom of heaven? Will you be able to say that hey? Um, I'm right with God. I'm happy in the word of God, in the eyes of God. So that's some food for thought for you. We're going to take this quick station break. We're going to come right back, jump into some, jump into some, into some college football and a lot of, a lot of situations that's going on. So Take this quick station break. We'll be right back.
And the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. A lot of big things going on this week. This week in the world of college football. Um, you know, one of the things that that uh that was that I read and it came to my attention was um we all know that Seashore um decided to call it a career um after. After thirty some odd years of coaching, um, over two hundred wins, uh, winning as coach at two schools, two SEC schools. On top of that, um, Coach Seasbury had a great career, and you know a lot of people want to say things and say he he lost his edge. He 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 felt like. When Jadavian Clowney and and those guys left and Clunishaw left, that he kind of lost his edge. He he wasn't going to be the same coach again. Um, you know it wasn't that. You know, Steve Trader is seventy years old, and I think one of the things about Steve Spurrier is that he knows when it's time to go. He didn't want to hang around too long. He didn't want to be that guy that hangs on too long. He didn't want to be a Bobby Bowden or a or a dare I say a Joe Paterno type coach. He just wanted to he wanted to go off in the sunset in a in a manner that was that was unique to the old to the head ball coach. And you know it, it's it's a sad situation. You know, when you see somebody who I would say revolutionized college football, you know, uh, with the fun and gun, with you know, with a lot of the things that he that he brought to the table, you know, making the shotgun um, more prevalent, you know, in in, in his game plans, you know. And, Giving giving his quarterbacks more time, and I think that that's you know that's what made him so such a great coach and a great you know he was just a genius you know 
the other nickname he had was the Evil Gene. So I, I really think that you know we we should actually honor the ball coach, and that's what they did. You know, that's what a lot of the coaches did. The, the ones who were advisors, oh, uh, they went advisor free uh, for the HBC. Is what they're calling it. Um, if you notice Thursday night um, in the Auburn game, Gus Malzahn didn't wear a visor. Uh, he actually signed a visor that he was supposed to have worn for for Thursday night's game, which was a win for the Tigers, 30 to 27, by the way. Um, against a really, really good uh, Kentucky team that I think is going to make a ball game and make a run in the SEC East. But um, aside from that, um, you know, they were advisor-free. Um, Gus Malzahn actually signed the visor that he, that he, uh, that he was going to wear. Um, and it's actually going to go online uh, for charity. Um, it actually will start, the bidding will start um, all week uh, on com. If, if anybody's interested. Um and what they're going to do is they're going to auction it off. And all the proceeds from that auction is going to go to uh, flood relief um, in South Carolina. So, so you know, it, it's just it's just, a, it's just an exciting time for, for those guys and, um, and that group, of, that, that group of, of coaches who decided to do this. I think it's an awesome thing to do. Um, so, I mean, I'm very happy about that. But, you know, hate to see the old ball coach go, but glad to see him gone because, ooh, maybe we, maybe we can sleep better. And maybe some of these guys can get some wins now, you know. Uh, you know, just being funny there. But, um on to, some, uh, on to some other news. Um, we've been hearing some things about Steve Sarkeesian, um in the last couple of weeks. Um, we know about the public intoxication that he had when he made a made a pretty much a, a jackboot of himself at a USC function. Um, where he publicly apologized and things of this nature. Um, after the after the Thursday night game in which USC lost, um, in which USC lost, he asked for a leave of absence, and he was going to check himself into a into a treatment facility for alcohol for alcoholism, and. Some other things surfaced. Um, a nationally televised game between USC and Arizona State. Um, an unnamed source, uh, unnamed coaches, actually said that he was actually on the field intoxicated and possibly inebriated during this game. Um, and if that's the case, then yes, he he should get help. Should he be fired? You know, I, I don't know if he should have been fired. I I don't I don't know the whole story. I don't know if he had something with his contract, but you know there was been some other there's been some other things that's been said about him also from 
you know, the Washington faithful, you know, former coaches who were at Washington, um, who said that he was actually uh, intoxicated a lot of times at practice, uh, a couple games during the season, he was, he had been drinking um, and things of that nature. So I don't know if it's the stress of being a coach or being in that limelight or, you know, or whatever, but I felt like if he needed the help, you know, Pat Hayden should have stood behind him and got him all the help that he needed, not to fire him after a season and a half, a season and a half in, in which he actually did a pretty good job. You know, he was getting he was getting everything back on track. Yeah, they had two losses. They had two losses at home. But this is what I'm getting at. USC is going to be on their fourth head coach interim or permanent for the fourth time in four years. You know, this is this is this is one of the things where it has to cease. Um Pat Hayden needs to go. Um that's just this is plain and simple. Let's just put it this way. Pat Hayden needs to go. Because when you when you've hired four coaches, you've hired four head coaches for football. You've hired three basketball coaches. And you haven't seen anything come out of it. You've gotten new arenas. You've gotten you've gotten permission. Excuse me, you've gotten permission to redevelop the memorial stadium which is on your campus. But none of that's happened yet. And here's the, here's the kicker to it. Pat Hayden, you know, this is two guys you fired in the middle of the season, in, in consecutive seasons. And I see what the reports, what the reports and everything are, are talking about, um, where you should, where you shouldn't, you know, hire the next head football coach. Yes, I totally agree with that. You know, because why, why would, why should they put put that in your hands again? You know, you made four mistakes. The first mistake you made was not hiring Ed Ogeron when he led you to a six and two record. The second mistake was you hired Lane Kiffin and you fired him and you said he couldn't even get back on the plane to find his own way home. You know, now the whole Steve Sarkeesian mess. This is a mess. This is a debacle. This is what's making USC that mid-tier Pac-12 team that it was before Pete Carroll came in. This is this is the reason why. Because you have athletic directors who are about business and they're not about the athletic department. They're not about athletics. You know, you're looking for a name. That that you're looking to make your make a name of yourself. You're not looking for anything else. And that that's the problem here. And that's the same problem that, that was going on that's went on at Texas. You know, and I hate to beat that drum again, but 
you know, after Texas is win, you know, everybody's talking about, well, that's 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 the, that that's a good time for for Charles Strong, this that and the other. That's a good time, you know, to do that. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, Charles Strong. Will he be the head coach at Texas next year? Who knows? Who, you know, who knows? At this point, it shouldn't even matter right now. They're riding the high. They got seven more games left. They got six more games left. You know, be quiet. Let him coach his team. You know, let's see what he's gonna do. Let, let, let's just see what he's gonna do the rest of the season. That's that's it. You know. Um. The next point I'm gonna make and. I, I I really thought after last year, Randy Etzel would be out the door narrowly. But you wait until the middle of the season to fire him, and then the athletic director has the nerve to come out and say that this should have been handled in-house. This shouldn't be this. It shouldn't be that. It shouldn't have been leaked. Well, for one, you're – Again, you hire the guy. You know, give him to the rest of the season. Now you, now you bring in a head coach. Who, now you bring in an interim coach. Who still, still doing just as bad as Randy Etzel did. You know, I mean, Randy Etzel was not a good, not a good fit for for Maryland at all. I mean, you got desperate. You know, kind of like what, kind of like what J.J. did at Auburn in 2000, 2008, 2009, when he went out and got Dean Chizik after the whole Tommy Tuberville situation. You know, this is this is that same sort of incident. And was I happy about the Dean Chizik hiring as an Auburn fan? No. Was the Maryland fans happy about Randy Exall being being hired as a head coach at at Maryland? Heck no. Heck no. I mean, like, if you talk to anybody around that Maryland program and talk about really it's all being a good fit for them moving into the Big Ten from the ACC, that was a mistake. That was one of the biggest mistakes that I thought anybody could have made. I mean, he didn't do that great at, at Connecticut. I mean, he got the program off the ground at Connecticut. And Connecticut still riding, riding under the radar as being not that good. So, I mean, there you go. Um, you know, so that's my rant for today. Um, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of other things I want to talk about in a little bit. But I'm gonna jump into some, I'm gonna jump into some, into some football scores. I'm gonna jump into some high school football scores from the state of Georgia. Um, and I actually happened to went went to a couple of games this week uh, last night and um, got to see got to see a lot of school spirit and a lot of things, a lot of just a lot of great things that happened um, over the over the past twenty four hours and and um, I'll get into that a little later on. But you know, jumping into some of these scores, I actually watched this game last night. Um, watched both of these games last night. Uh, I watched the Camden County game. I watched the Conflict County game. Um, Camden County played Tiff County last night. Um, 
this is a back and forth game for the most part. Uh, you know, Camden and Tifton. Um, Tiff actually had the lead at one point, and Camden stormed back and won the game 31-21 um, in Tifton. And um, that was a great matchup between those two, between those two schools. Um, and then the big one around the state of Georgia, everybody was talking about, um, that was live on, on uh, if you live in the state of Georgia, it was live on GPB, um, Georgia Public Broadcasting. And it was Cockwood, it was Valdosta, you know, two-story programs from the, from South Georgia. Cockwood County, the defending state champions, um, coached by uh, Alabama coaching legend uh, Rush Probst. Um, Valdosta, you know, the most state championships in the nation at 24, uh, haven't won one since 1998. But these are two-story programs, and they got together last night in a Region 1-6A matchup, and Coughlin County put it on Valdosta. Um, and it's, and again, this is a game that was that was – that was tight early, and then Cockwood just took over that great defense, that great offense. And speaking of Cockwood, you know the whole that whole situation last week uh, with the head football coach and the linesman um, at the Lee County during the Lee County game. Um, I don't know if any of you guys heard about this or any guys saw. Saw what I saw. Saw this. Um, it was actually quite the spectacle. Um, a linesman, uh, one of the chain, one of the guys from the chain crew, actually jumped. Actually tried to fight a an assistant coach for the Crawford County Packers, and they did not let the coach back on the bus and ironically the the coach that got into this fight is actually the coach that was supposed to take over at my at my old high school, Troop High School in Lagrange, Georgia. Um he's escorted off the field. He was yeah, he was escorted off the field. He was questioned and was not allowed to get on the bus until that until this situation was solved. Um, haven't heard anything else about it, but just wanted to give you an up. Just want to give you give you an update of that because you're hearing too much of this, where officials or or anything get into altercations, and this is the third such altercation that's happened around the state of Georgia that that's been on a on a statewide level or a regional wide level or a national wide level. You know, um, you had two coaches who got into a heated argument about something that one coach said to one of their players in the uh, in the Walton Etowah game early in the season. And then you had an altercation on the field last week with a player from North Cobb and a player from McEachin where the player from North Cobb actually headbutted, actually ripped the guy's helmet off his head and head 
headbutted him with his helmet on. Um, and the guy who was headbutted was ejected. So, you know, that you know, it's just a lot of things that's just really bothering me about about what we're doing. You know, our kids need to learn sportsmanship. Our kids need to learn the right way to play the game. And what we the incidents that we've seen across across the state of Georgia, you know, these incidents has they have to cease. They they really do. And that even goes back to the incidents that, that happened in Texas, the incident um that happened in California where the where the official was beat up. You know, I mean it it all goes back to getting things back to where they should be. And sportsmanship, leaving everything on the field, you know. But I'm glad to I'm glad to hear the politically correct answers from both Coughlin and from both the the Coughlin County School System and the Lee County School System where there's nothing bitter about the two schools. This is just an isolated incident and and I'm glad that that's the case. So, you know, let's just put that in the past. Let's move on. Other scores from, from Region 1 6 A, Lowndes County, Lowndes High School, the other Valdosta school, um, actually went to said, actually played at home to said Lee County and beat Lee County 42 to 7. Uh, some local scores around the area, um, around in the 6A, around this area. Um, Noonan was a winner over Campbell 31 to 6. Um, Westlake was a winner over Douglas County, um, 41 to nothing. East Coweta was a winner over Pebblebrook, 34 to nothing. Um, Hughes was a winner over South Cobb, uh, 28 to 14. Move on down to five, region five, six, eight. It was Milton, a winner over Cherokee, 28 to 21, um, in a Fulton County, in all Fulton County affair. Etowah beat Lassiter 38 to 28. Um, Roswell beat Pope 52 to nothing. Uh, Watson beat Woodstock 49 to 21. Now we move on into another into the two ultra competitive um, regions, other than Region One and Six A. Alpharetta was a winner over Chattahoochee 49 to 39. Centennial was a winner over Habersham Central, 42-35. John's Creek and North Forsyth, they played um, They played last night, 17-14, winner, 17-14 win for John's Creek over North Forsyth. The Lambert Longhorns was a winner over Northview, 41-7. West Forsyth and South Forsyth in a big rivalry matchup there, 38-34, West Forsyth pulls out that victory. And into Region 8, um, which is by far probably one of the two toughest regions in, in the state of Georgia, um, Archer, um, top 10 ranked Archer, went over Shiloh 56-6. The Cuellas continuing their winning ways, 38-21 over Brookwood. Grayson, the winner over Central Gannett, 35-2. Parkview, um, Real close to clinching the playoff spot, probably the number four as we get into November. They were a winner over South Burnett, 42-28. And those are your 6A scores. Now, we're going to move on to some other scores. 
um, some scores at the coast, some other local scores that comes by. Columbus and Harris County played last night in Region 1, 5A matchup. Uh, Columbus was a winner 28-20 over Harris County. And that that may be the the uh, the big turning point for Columbus. Columbus, I think, could uh, clinch the region next week with a win. Um, with a win over with a win next week. Um, and a number one seed uh, next week. Northside of Columbus was a winner over Hardaway, thirty-one to nothing, um, in a big rivalry game there. Now we move on. We move on down um, into the yeah, move on down into five five in the five five a with some local scores. Um, Alexander beat Villarica twenty nine to seventeen. Alatuna beat Hiram forty eight to thirteen. South Paulding was a winner over Chapel Hill twenty seven to ten. East Paulding was a winner over Lithia Springs fifty three to nothing. And Paulding County was a winner over New Manchester, 38 to 28. Um, jumping into some other scores, number one in 5A, Kale was a winner over Riverwood, 35 to three. Um, and we jump into one of the most difficult regions in Region Eight, in Region in uh, 5A, which is Region Eight. Fiery Branch was a winner over Appalachian, 41 to six. Winder Barrow was a winner over Cedar Shoals, 30 to 25. The Clark Central Gladiators was a big winner over Gainesville, 44 to 7. And I think that actually will um, eliminate Gainesville from any playoff contention, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I have to go back and look at look at their record, but I think that they, I think that they're out of the playoff picture with that loss. Um, Lanier was a winner over Heritage of Conyers, 42 to nothing. And Loganville was a winner over Salem, 20 to nine. Um, we jump into some, we jump into some, um, into some 4A action and, um, into some local action around, around, uh, around this area, my, my area. Uh, Carrollton was a winner over Whitewater, 41 to three. Woodward Academy uh, went to Fayette County, went to Fayetteville and played Fayette County, and uh, Woodward Academy was a winner at Fayette, uh, 37 to seven. And Troop went to Sandy Creek last night, and uh, sadly those Troop Tigers were beaten, 49 to seven in the battlefield at at Sandy Creek. Um, moving on to eight eight four a, Buford was a winner over Monroe area. In a big matchup there, one versus two in the region, and Buford actually winning that winning that matchup, fifty-one to nothing. Um, so, some news about Buford. Uh, Buford is going to play up next year. They'll be in that. They'll be in that that proposed Big Forty-four um, or Seven A, um, the the new classification um, with the larger schools. So it'd be good to see Buford play some play some big boys and see what they can do with 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 guys with those guys and uh, very excited about that. Uh, Stevens County um, jumping back into some scores from Region Eight Four A. Stevens County was a win over Chester C, forty to twenty one. 
was East Hall winner over Johnson of Gainesville in the Hall in the Hall in the Hall County affair, uh, twenty four to fourteen. Uh, North Hall was a winner over Madison County, fifty six to twenty six, and North Oconee was a winner over White County, twenty to nothing. Um, so some big matchups next week in eight four a. That's gonna have playoff implications all over it. So um, stay tuned for those. Um, jumping into some three A action. Um, local scores here. Um, Callaway was a winner over Rockmart, thirty-seven to nothing. Central of Carrollton was a win. Central of Carroll County was a winner over Pepperell, forty-eight to seven. And Cedartown, um, the home of Nick Chubb. And big ups to Nick Chubb. Get well soon. Hope everything goes well. Hope we see you back on the field very, very soon. Um, see this time was a win over Harris over Harrison County, for 42 to 15. Um, and um, jumping over to seven, 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 three, eight. Banks um, County was a win over Lumpkin, 48 to 31. Fanning County was a winner over Dawson County, 31 to 15. East Hall was a winner over over John. Over, again, East Hall was a winner over Johnson and Gainesville, 24 to 14. And Franklin County was a winner over West Hall, uh, 21 to 14. So everything there. Um, jumping to some 2A to some 1A and 2A scores. Um, some local scores from 1A first off. Um, Greenville uh, was a loser again. Uh, Renault Griffin uh, recruited, former recruiter of the week. Um, he's given getting some offers. Uh, they went they went to Taylor County and lost to Taylor County last night 52 to 30, 54 to 30. Uh, Marion County um, all but assured themselves of, of a playoff spot last night. Winning twenty to seven over Hawkinsville, Brookstone was a win over Central Tobleson, uh, forty eight to six. Dooley County, um, home of Montrevious Adams, um, former high school of Montrevious Adams of Auburn, uh, was a win of forty two to thirteen over Sly County. So, uh, some very 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 good scores there. Um, Mount Zion and Carroll um, was a winner over Tryon. Hartlett uh, lost for Tryon. Uh, my former position coach is a position coach at Tryon High School, Mr. David Thrower. Uh, big ups to those guys. Yeah, and those are some of the scores from the state of Georgia. And when we come back, we'll, we'll have some, we'll, we'll jump into some into the the big four games I really want to talk about around the state around the um around the world of college football uh the big four top twenty matchups and and um and also get into some scores from from the state of Georgia from the state of Alabama and uh we'll be right back. Okay, let me 
prides itself on its basketball program. You know, but their facilities for football, they they more or less, for lack of a better word, they suck. <laughs> so I mean that that this is why this intrigues me because this is this is one of those things where this is one of those things where a Memphis win over a SEC West Power over a, over a team that was you know supposed to compete for New Year's Six Bowl to compete to be in the semifinals of of the playoff the playoffs. No, now on the verge of being eliminated from both SEC contention and, and um and playoff contention. So this is this is one of those games where like I said, I don't know what it is about it. It just it just intrigues me. It just intrigues me. But I, I think Ole Miss will win because they have superior talent. Don't rest on the Memphis Tigers because they've got a great quarterback. They've got a great running game. They've got they've got a pretty decent defense. Will they they'll give up points? Yes. But the thing of it is, can they score the points to cover the points that they'll be giving up? I don't think they will. But is it gonna be fun to see it? I, I don't I, like I said. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't know what it is about this game that I like. I just don't know. But I am picking old Mister Win. And now I will say two touchdowns. I mean, ten to fourteen points. I mean that 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 would be what I would say. Um, Louisville, Florida State, twelve o'clock game on ESPN. Um, Actually, you know, number eleven Florida State team against Louisville. No, this this could be highly unlikely for me looking in, but highly unlikely. But um, this is one of those games that if Florida State is not on top of their game, Davin Cook doesn't have a great game. Bobo Wilson doesn't have a great game. Everett Golson doesn't have a great game. Uh, and that defense, Jalen Ramsey and those guys on the defense side of the ball, if they don't have a great game and they let Louisville keep it close, Louisville's going to win this game. They've got a great, they've got two great quarterbacks. They've got a running game that that's really nice that really exposed Auburn. So, um, They really exposed Auburn in, in their weaknesses, and um, so this is this is one of those games where it could be it could be Louisville walking out of Doug Campbell three and three, or or Florida State coming out of this coming out of the same six and zero. Oh. You know, um, I do. I mean, like I said, I do. I like Florida State in this matchup, but this has got this has got upset potential all over it. Simply because you know what Louisville's gonna you know what Louisville is gonna bring to the table, which is great quarterback play, great running game. They're starting to get somewhat sound on the defensive side of the ball, so I mean this is this is just it's getting better, getting better. So. Um, they're starting to come along. So um, that's just another intriguing matchup for me, uh, Florida State and Louisville. So let's just um, 
let's just really just, just take it. Let's take that take that game in too. Um, another another good matchup that a lot of people it's, it's falling under the radar, so to speak, and, and it's a twelve o'clock game also. It's in the Big Ten. Uh, I think this is an ESPN two game, ABC or ESPN two, um, depending on the region that you're in. Um, Iowa and Northwestern. Iowa coming off a great win last week. Northwestern getting shut out by Michigan at the Big House. You know, will this be a hangover for Northwestern? Will Will Northwestern come back and you know and and show themselves? Or will you know? Or will Iowa continue this renaissance under Kirk Ferentz in his 18th year? You know, this this is one of those games where You've got two great defenses. You've got two quarterbacks, one young, one young, one one somewhat young, young in a in a sense, but has playing experience. The other had had no playing experience, had no college playing experience coming into the game. So I mean it, it, it's one of those this is one of those games where Pat Fitzgerald and his defense Will they be that immovable object that they've been all season long, or will they sh- will they show up like they did against Michigan and Lanning? Um Me being a Chicago guy, and me, you know, enjoying seeing the fruits of what's going on in Chicago, you know, with the Blackhawks with with the Cubbies this year, my Cubbies this year, the Cubs, you know, being you know, being an upstart, um, and also the Bears, you know, getting somewhat better. I mean, I, I just, I, I'm just, I'm just hoping that Northwestern will ride that wave. Um, so even though Northwestern lost last week. I like their defense. I mean, you can trust their defense. Their offense is going to put points on the board, but they're going to put them on the board at a premium. Now, this is a defensive-laden team, and this is a defensive-laden team because of what Pat Fitzgerald came from. You know, being being a former Northwestern player and and being a defensive guy. So, I think – what he's going to have to do, um, a lot of the times he plays conservative and he, and he gets points on the board instead of going for it and, and trying to get the six. Um, I think I think he's going to have to take his hand off the – take his foot off the brake a little bit and just let it loose from time to time. Um, I know I know he's a – I know he's a to the best type, type of guy when it comes – when it comes to that. So, I mean – he has to pick and choose when, but this is an intriguing matchup. This is a top twenty matchup that I like. I like the defense at Iowa. I love the defense in Northwestern. I like I like CJ Bethard. I think Bethard is one of those guys who could be a part of a great part of a great draft class in twenty eighteen. Um, he's only a sophomore. Um, 
So I mean, he's on a sophomore. I mean, he could be part of that part of a great class in twenty twenty seventeen also. Uh, so I mean, it's just really really interesting to see what's going to happen with with Iowa in the next couple of years. But tonight, today, I I want to I, I I really want to pick Northwestern in this matchup, but I just think the quarterback play is too strong. And I when I was been putting points on the board where Northwestern really hasn't as much as they as they normally have. So I like Northwestern in this I I, I, I really don't want to pick Northwestern, but I, I, I don't know. This is one of those. This is one of those games that, that's really hard to pick, and and um, I, I I'm gonna go with more questions by three. Um, I, I, I like I said, I just like the offense, I like the defense at Northwestern. I love Iowa's offense. I like their defense. I like what they do defensively, but I just think that I just think that Northwestern's a better defensive team, and they'll get the stops that they need to win this game. You know they've done it against they've done it against the Stanfords, the Michigans, and, and teams of that nature. So, um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see what what's going to happen in the next few in the next you know few hours, and I'll be sure to be turning in that game. Well, turning the channels back and forth, giving my thumb a workout. So, um, so yeah. And and then you know just just going through a lot of these lot of these games and you know Nebraska Minnesota is is an intriguing matchup. That's a that's a game that's going to be on the ESPN two at three thirty. Uh, Nebraska's two and four, going through a bit of a going through a bit of growing pains with with Mike Riley as head coach. They've lost some really close games. They've lost games they shouldn't have lost, but they've also won games that they shouldn't have won. One of those games they shouldn't have won. Other games they they really, you know, won handily. So I think, you know, the Mike Riley hire is a good hire, you know, for for Nebraska because he, he's really going to bring it back to where Nebraska was the power running game. You know, not really the option, but he's not, he's bringing he's bringing a pro style type offense to Lincoln, and it's not as complex an offense as Bo Pelini had or anything like that. I just think that with Mike Riley, you know, give him a give him a couple of years, just like he did it, just like he did at Oregon State. He made Oregon State into into a into a into a school that a competed for championships, b comp b competed night in night out, and really just made them a better a better football team because of that. So I, I really I really like Nebraska. 
I really like the hire that Nebraska made with with Mike Riley, but you won't see it on the field as of yet because you won't see it as of yet simply because of you know because he doesn't have the recruits that he has there. These guys are a little bit a little bit more to both winning style type offense. And with that, with that being said, I just think that, you know, there's a lot of players who are playing with that Bopalini type attitude. And he, like I said, he's just changing the culture at Nebraska. So as opposed to what you see on the other side with, with Jerry Kill and his staff, you know, they're building the, – and their motto is brick by brick. And the thing about that is, is that when you when you say brick by brick, that's exactly what they mean. It's brick by brick. It's it's one step at a time. You know, you see you see this Minnesota team starting to gain momentum and starting to starting to be where they want to be at, and it's just. It's it's so close because they're competing, you know, for the Big 12 West. I mean, I'm sorry, the Big 10 West championship. And they're going to continue to do that. The more recruits they get in, and and they've got a strong recruiting class coming in next year. You know, a lot of people, you know, really don't realize that, but there's a lot of recruit. There's a a big-time recruiting class coming in next season from, from Minnesota. And it's a lot of the players that the other teams can't, don't want, you know. But they make, but that's how they make their living in in Minnesota. You know, the players that you don't want, they turn them into gyms, you know. And and like I said, I mean, I just, I really like, I really like Minnesota in this game, simply because I love the stability. So I mean, like I just, I just really like, I really like Minnesota. I just, I really like Minnesota in this matchup because of their stability. So very, very, very excited. Very, very excited. I want to see and Minnesota will win this game. I think they win it, but I think they win it by a touchdown. You know, but don't, don't. Don't give up on the basket just yet. So I said, don't give up on the basket just yet. Um, then Vanderbilt in South Carolina, four o'clock game, ESPN. You, yeah, um, sorry, um, SEC Network. I just, I want to see what. I want to see what South Carolina can really do. Without the head ball coach. I think that I think that's probably one of the one of the more intriguing things, you know, in, in this is that, you know, will, will they ride that momentum of a new head coach coming in and you know, wanting to play well for for the interim coach, 
wanted to see him do do well as as an um, coach. And you're playing a pretty good Vanderbilt team. Garrett Mason has got something going on now. And a lot of people talk about how he how he may be out after this season, you know, how they may have to may go after somebody else with more experience. Leave Garrett Mason alone. Just like you left Bob Nelson alone, just like you left um just like you gave Caldwell a chance, you gave um James Franklin a chance. I mean this team is on the cusp of being coming back to where they were when James Franklin was there. And you're starting to see that hard nose, that hard defense that that Vander that that Derek Mason likes to play. And it, it for me, I think when you look at it from this perspective, Vandy in South Carolina, they're really playing for for obvious reasons. They're playing for the life of their coach. They're playing for the pride of their school. And also playing for the legacy of, I mean, one school's playing for the legacy of a ball coach that they just that they just lost and that they lost. So this is this is one of those games that's really intriguing. I like South Carolina's game because I think they're gonna ride. I think they're gonna ride the wave of momentum that is set to <clears throat> that's set to commence. You know, since since the retirement of of um, Steve Trier. So I like South Carolina's matchup. Um, this is another game I'm gonna I'm gonna end up watching that I'm gonna be flipping back and forth. So I mean, like I said, I got a lot of football to watch, a lot of football to watch. But I will say this, you know, we haven't even talked about about the four big games I want to talk about, and we'll get to those in just a few moments. I wanted to update you on some scores from from this past week. Um, Starting on Tuesday, Arkansas State was the winner over South Alabama 49 31. Thursday, Auburn and Kentucky played in, in Commonwealth. Auburn getting the win, uh, as I said earlier, 30 to 27. Um, Western Kentucky and North Texas. North Texas still reeling over that big time homecoming loss last week, in which Dan McCartney was fired after losing to Portland State on your homecoming. And the the score was awful. I mean, it was sixty six to seven. Um, North Texas falls to zero and six um, after last night, after um, Thursday night. And you know, <laughs> should give me when you know you didn't get so. Uh, you know, they pretty much said good riddance to you, Dan McCartney. Uh, former Iowa State head coach, and you know it's a hard look. It's a hard look guy. Hard look guy for him. Hard look for him. Um, there was a there was a bit of an upset last night. Um, Boise State. Uh, they got jumped on early and got beat often. So they got doubled up uh, by Utah State in Ogden, um, fifty-two to twenty-six. Um, Houston uh, was a winner over Tulane, 42-7. BYU was a winner over Cincinnati, 38-24. And Fresno State beat UNLV, 
uh, 31 to 28, and that UNLV squad is, you know, you, you bring in the you bring in the high school coach, and he's bringing he's bringing something to the table at UNLV that you haven't seen at UNLV in a very long time, and that that's that's that hard nosed confidence. You haven't seen it since John Robinson left. Um, Bobby Hawk tried. Bobby Hawk tried to bring that there. Um, I didn't think there was a good fit for him. Um, he didn't think he was a good fit, you know, after so long. So I, I just think that UNLV went out, got the guy from um, from um, uh, I can't remember the name of the school. Snoop Dogg's son went there. Um, Bishop Gorman. Um, in in Vegas, um, and I just really think that you know, with him being there, he's a good fit because he knows the lay of the land. He knows he knows Nevada football, and he can keep those those guys who who kind of like venture north to Reno. He can keep those guys home. And he can bring actually bring some recruits to to UNLV. So I think that that was a great hire. Um, you know. Even though UNLV is two and five, do not rest on UNLV the rest of the season. Do not rest on UNLV in the next couple seasons in the Mountain West. I I, just, I, I like what he's gonna what he's building there. He's got building blocks, you know, around you know Bishop. You know, he can, he can tap into that Bishop Gorman, um, into that Bishop Gorman talent. He can tap into the other talent that's around that's around him. Um, in in Vegas because you know Vegas in the number of schools that's in the Vegas area there's a lot of great talent in the Vegas area um, so really 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 excited to see what what's going to happen there um, moving on um, moving on to some other, to some other things um, we're gonna we're gonna jump into some Alabama high school stores but first we're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back, and then, and then we'll talk about some talk about the other the other big games on on the docket as well. So, take a quick station break. We'll be right back.
with, with what they had. And uh, Lynette actually won this game 38 to 14. And the game, for the most part, for the for the better part of the of the first half, was very 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 competitive. Um, um, Lynette jumped up to a fourteen nothing lead, um, and then a kickoff return um, by Sephora, uh brought them back into the game, and um, then they got stopped on fourth and goal. Um, and some other, you know, some really bad penalties and, you know, bad play calling and stuff like that really hampered the Lafayette High Bulldogs. And they dropped their second straight um, after losing to Randolph County last night. So, again, this, this brings Lynette back into the playoff, into playoff contention. They're 5-4 now. Um, with one game left in their season, they play, they play 10 straight games. So they'll be in their wait-and-see mode after next week. Um, Randolph County, you know, same regions, the same region, uh, Region 5, um, going through that region. Randolph County was a winner last night over Realtown, uh, 35 to 14. And this is going to set up a big showdown next week. Um, Lynette plays one more region, one more region game next week. And if they win that game, that brings in the six and four. And possibly that then they have to play that wait and see game um on November sixth to see if they'll get in or or they won't get in. So this is just one of those things where you have to you have to like really look at. Um so I, I'm really excited to see to see what's gonna happen. Um other other game from other the other game from this region. Woodland beat uh, Horseshoe Bend 49-42, and Horseshoe Bend was actually up in this game for the, for the better part of this game, uh, reading it on, uh, keeping up with scores on Rivals.com, like I was um, there. And um, very, very excited. Like I said, very excited about next week and the next couple of weeks that's going to happen in Region 5 and 2A, which is, for me, one of the best reasons in all of 2A Football in the state of Alabama, in all of two-way football in the state of Alabama. Um, going further down, and uh, there's another big upset. Uh, another big upset uh, last night. I actually went down to this game also. Um, I left. I left the um, the Lynette Lafayette game at halftime. I drove down to Beulah High School, uh, which is not that far from me. Um, Beulah High School was 0-7 coming into into this game against an undefeated um, top 10 ranked Prattville Christian Academy. Went down there um, and uh, knew a couple guys on the team. Um, big up to my man Doug, his wife. Um, my man Doug Dowdell, his wife. Um, his two sons actually played for Beulah, and uh, Beulah got their first win of the season last night. A big upset, eight to seven over Prattville Christian Christian Academy, um, which was in the top five in in three A in uh, top five in three A. So, um, so just really excited about that, um, and it, it's also possible. Um, 
I can't remember a lot. A lot of the a lot of the schools in that region also have losing records. So um, it's very possible that Bula wins out, wins their next two games. They could possibly get into a playoff position, but it, they're going to need a lot of help um, in that regards. And and uh, with Montgomery Academy playing as well as they are, and Prattville Christian Academy playing as well as they are, as well as um, Central High School of Tulsa County, who hold a win over over Bula and BB Coma. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be very very interesting to see what's gonna happen in the next couple of weeks with Bula uh, as well. So I mean I'm very excited and very happy for the Bula for the Bula Bobcats um, getting that big upset and getting that big win. Um, and uh, they have a great, they have a nice, uh, a really good head coach there. He's a really good guy. I actually got to speak with him after the game, and um, he was very excited about about the win and about getting out, getting off, off, you know, to the start they got off to. Um, very, very excited about that. For very excited for that school. Um. Other other area scores um, around 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 the area. Um, this is close by to me. Uh, Notre Soga was a winner over Verbena, uh, twenty-seven to fourteen. Um, going further down, Wadley was a winner over Victory Christian uh, in the big region matchup there, fifty-one to thirteen. Talladega Central was a winner over Winterboro High School, twelve to six. Um, come on further down, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, come on further down, and and we look at some other scores around. Like I said, some other scores um, in the area. Um, Sand Rock was a winner over New Hope. Uh, you know, that's right. Of uh, Montgomery was a winner, fifty-two to fourteen over Monroe County High School. Uh, Clark County High School was a win over Southside of Selma. Uh, Leeds was a winner over Childersburg, 54 to nothing. Uh, we go further down, Cleveland County was a winner, 36-20 out of Sachs. Uh, BC Rain was a winner over Faith Academy, uh, 38-28. St. Paul's Episcopal was a winner over Escambia County. Viger was a winner over Williamson, uh, forty-six-six. Charles Anderson was a winner over Rehoboth, forty-one-eighteen. Um, and that's all in five A, six A action. Uh, Gulf Shores was one over Robertsdale, thirty-four to twenty-four. Blunt, big winner over Baldwin County, fifty-nine to sixteen. Saraland was one over Lafleur, forty-one-six. Uh, Northview was one over Wetumpka, um, 30 to 28. Uh, Opelika was a big winner over um, over over Chilton, Chilton in 56, and they're they're outscoring. They're in the last two last two weeks, they've outscored opponents 121 to nothing, 121 to six. Um, Valley High School was a loser again last week, last night, and they were shut out again for the second week in a row. Um, 56 to nothing over Benjamin Russell. 
they've given up 126 points in the last eight quarters for Valley High School. I think the writing's on the wall for for uh, Coach Marshawn Harper and, and his staff there at Valley High School. Uh, big ups to my man Cordier, uh, who is a <laughs> who is a graduate of Valley High School. So uh, sorry to sorry to to put that out there, buddy. But you know I love you. Uh, check him out Thursdays on Turntable Thursdays also. Uh, but yeah, I, I had to throw that out there, buddy. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, we going further down. We uh getting into some seven eight scores. Um, McGill Tulin was a winner over Murphy, thirty five to twenty eight. Uh, Foley and Theodore, um, there was no score there, and uh, didn't see a score there for them. Central Phoenix City was a winner over Jeff Davis, forty three to fourteen. Auburn High School was a winner over Prattville, uh, twenty one to seventeen. Uh, Enterprise is a winner of 14-7 over, over Smith Station. And these are some local scores, actually. Uh, Hero Trustfield was a winner over Mountain Brook, 35-14. Spain Park, continuing their winning ways, 20-10 uh, over Oak Mountain. Uh, Thompson was a winner over Tuscaloosa County, 27-0. And Hoover and Vestavia got together last night in a big region, in a big region matchup, also a big rivalry game. Um, and Vestavia beat Hoover 20 to 13 last night, um, and this is the first time that Hoover's lost to both to both rivals um, to both neighboring Vestavia Hills and and city rival um, Spain Park in the same season. It's never happened before, um, and but Hoover is a playoff team and and. They're looking for their their fifth title in a row, so um, it's gonna be very interesting to see those see those schools play. Um, and um, rounding out seven A, Bob Jones was one over Huntsville, uh, forty five to fourteen. Uh, Buckhorn was one over Grissom, forty four to seven. Uh, Hazel Green was one over Gaston City, um, thirty eight to thirty three. So. Um, North Alabama, South Alabama, this thing. Those, those it's going to be fun to see what's going to happen between now and then. And um, really excited. Really excited to see what's going to happen between now and then. Um, but those are your scores from the state of Alabama. Um, let me back into some, into some, into some, uh, some, some more college football, and the, we're going to talk about the big three now, and the big three games that, that I really want to talk about, uh, Michigan State, Florida LSU, Ohio State, Penn State, and uh, Alabama, Texas a and And we're going to start off with uh, Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, Penn State's still number one. Um, they're doing pretty much everything that um, – You know, done, they've done pretty much everything that that Michigan, that um, Florida State did last year. Um, in their in their defensive national championship, you know, they're winning games that they that they that they need to win. Um, they're not winning the games pretty at times, but they are winning the games. And you know, they, they've won they've won that ten in a row now. 
So um, I think, you know, did, I'm not putting them on a set alert. I like Penn State, they're five and one. I mean, Christian Hackenberg is, is having a phenomenal, a phenomenal year. Um, you know, he's he's a proven quarterback. He's gonna be if he comes out early this year, he's gonna be the first quarterback off the board. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think the I think you know, Cardell Jones comes out. He's 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 gonna be the next person. Every Dawson is gonna get a look at quarterback. I mean, it's just so many intangibles like in this game um, that says upset alert, cries upset alert. But Ohio State is playing at home in the horseshoe, prime time. Um, <laughs> prime time. I, they don't lose in prime time for real, very often. And uh, and it's just it's going to be a good matchup. I, I want to see what the secondary of Ohio State can do with the receivers that that Penn State have. And, you know, even though they're young, I really like what. The Penn State receiver and core does, and I think that, and I think that you know it's it's very very easy to see them um, to see them win against Ohio State, but highly unlikely. I, I like I like Ohio State in this matchup. I love I love the defense, Joey Bosa, um, on the defense side of the ball. Um, the offensive side, you know, of course, with, with the playmakers that they have, Jalen Marshall, um, GQ Elliott, Cardell Jones, um, JC Barrett, and and of course Braxton Miller, who I think will get a will get a shot at quarterback in, in the, at the next level. But um, I I just really think that Ohio State is just they're just more equipped. I think that they'll win um, game number twenty in a row. So. Uh, gonna go with Ohio State. Gonna go with Ohio State for, with at least a two touchdown, um, two touchdown win. Um, I'll, I'll say two touchdowns. I, I do like the matchup there. Um, now jumping into the 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 two big matchups that I want to talk about: Florida LSU. Florida without without Will Greer and. Florida without Will Greer, you know, Trion Harris is going to start. And it's a big matchup. It's a big matchup for LSU, big matchup for, for Florida. LSU is going to have to throw the ball a little bit against this Florida team, simply because Florida's gonna, Florida is a great defensive – they're a great defensive team this year, this year um, as opposed to what they were like, you know, as, as opposed – as they have been in the last few years under Will Muschamp. So I think you're gonna have to run the ball more, but you're gonna have to put you have to you know, you don't have to put it all on Leonard Fournette, you know. Even though I think he can handle it. Um Leonard Fournette, Brandon Harris, those guys a great defense, you know, there's a no name defense. I mean, there's no big names on that defense at all for Florida, for L S U and I just really think that LSU could beat Florida. I think they've got that kind of team. They've got the kind of the kind of team that could beat Florida. 
they're built for this. They're built for this kind of game. It's Saturday night. Is asking. I mean, it's Saturday night. Baton Rouge, Death Valley. Need I say more? Um, the home field advantage is paramount, and in Les Miles' 11 years at at LSU, he's only lost three games. He's only lost three night games at LSU. So I mean. That that tells you a lot about what Les Miles can do at night and that crazy crowd at LSU. I'm just very very excited to see what kind of what kind of matchups you're gonna see. Um, will Will Florida put the ball in Trion Harris's hands and let him do what he normally does? I I and let him do what do what he does. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see this, and, and, and I want to see it. Um, I want to see what's going to happen, what's going to transpire in this game. I like LSU at home. I like Florida. I love what Jim McElwain has done um, with Will Muschamp's players. He's also got a great recruiting class that he's putting together right now. So um, I'm very, very, like I said, I'm very, very excited to see what's going to happen between now and then. And, and a lot of people are, are excited as well. So um, I, I really want to see, like I say, I really want to see this matchup. The 7 o'clock game, the ESPN game, um, it was one of two top ten matchups. Um, so I like Florida in this game. I think Florida, I, I'm sorry, I like LSU in this game. Um, I like LSU in this game um, because it's a home game. It's a crowd, 103,000 people, you know, packed in the Tiger Stadium. This this game has all the makings of being just a great game. And Leonard for uh, in the Leonard Fournette Heisman party. So, um, but it's also one of those games where Brandon Harris can be a player. You know, can be a can be the player that he envisions that he should be. And it also gonna make things hard for next season, you know, when Felipe Franks hits his campus in January. So, I mean, it's gonna be very it's gonna be very exciting to see what's gonna happen um tonight, seven o'clock Tiger Stadium. Um another game we're gonna talk about and we're gonna get into it in just a second and um, this is this is one of those things that that's very 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 exciting for me, and it's one of those games that either a you're gonna sit down and you're gonna watch time and time again, or b you're going to you're gonna record it and watch it over and over and over again just to see how excited how excited you're gonna get. You no, know, even though you know who's going to win or who's going to lose. You know, I'm just ready to see Bama A&M, 3.30 game, CBS. Um, this is this is one of those games that could basically win, win you the SEC West or lose you the SEC West. And they've got some big-time matchups coming up in the next few months, in the next few weeks between the two of them. Um this is this is that this is that 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 gauntlet that 
that Alabama's about to win right now. Um, they got Texas A&M, they got Tennessee, and then they'll have Mississippi State. So, um, so this is this is real big for for Alabama. This will also show them what Jacob Coker is as a quarterback. Is he just that one that one hit wonder, you know, or is he that that two pitch pitcher? Um, that that he was when he when he uh like the last couple games when he went to Georgia and beat Georgia to death and then had uh, Arkansas at home in a gimme matchup. So I mean it, it's really it's really hard to say what what he's got. So uh, what what kind of quarterback Jacob Coker is? This is one of those games that that's gonna it's gonna be his litmus test. Um. The the running backs, the running backs are, are pretty much going to be the running backs that you that you see. Um, um, you know, Trey Carson, you, you know, is is one of those guys uh, that's emerged. Um, Bryce Dolezal, uh, Bryce Dolezal, who was a walk on. Um, and it, it's just he's just one of those one of those things. James White uh, may be back in this game. Brandon Williams may may play a little bit, even though he's converted over to, to um, running back. So I mean, you got three running backs that's gonna that's gonna well, you got two running backs that's definitely gonna play. Um, but Trey Carson is your is your is your workhorse. Kyle Allen is is, is your is your guy. Um, Kyler Murray's gonna get some playing time. Um, showing you a little, a little, a little something different. Um, so I like what Jake Spavital has done with the offense at A and M. And again, this is one of those matchups where it's just like, just like Ole Miss Alabama, just like Georgia Alabama, where it's going to come down to. The offensive coordinators against the defensive coordinators. John Chavis, John Chavis versus versus Lane Kiffin, and uh, and uh, Jake Spavital versus Trevor Smart. It's going to be one of those games where who's going to who's going to come out and show you and show you what. And that's one of those things that that you, that, that we're going that you're going to have to watch very very closely. Is is Kirby Smart going to come out and attack? Is is A and M going to come out and throw the ball on first down all the all the time? That's that's very 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 intriguing to me. Um, what was really intriguing to me is that against that last against trial five opponents, A and M's defense has been very 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 stingy. And when I say very stingy, I mean they've only given up. 3.8 yards a game and 17 points in the, in the fourth quarter. So, and and coincidentally, they they make they make plays happen. You know, they make plays happen. They they they're in the backfield. So defensively, against the Lane Kiffin offense, Lane Kiffin has to has to run the ball first and get in some play action when he can get it in. 
because that that's what's gonna make that's what's gonna make um and them respect you. And conversely, on the other hand, Jake Spadafall, he's got to do the complete opposite. He's got to throw on first down to throw off the defense of Kirby Smart. And then when he throws off the defense, when he throws off the defense, he can he can run the ball. Kyle Allen can get in there and he can run the ball as well. He's eighty-two in his last in his last ten game in his last ten games when he started. So he has the experience. So we we know what he can do when, when he and Christian Kirk get together and and everything. It's just gonna be very very nice to see. And that's why that's why I'm like I'm really intrigued about this matchup. But is and is is A and M is Alabama and these are you know it's a top ten matchup in Calfield. You know you're gonna you know that there's gonna be 104,000 people there. They may even try to pack 106,000 people in there. You never know with 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 the guys in Aggie Land, and it's gonna be very loud. It's gonna be very very loud, and, and and they haven't been back in that stadium since since the renovations have have have, complete, have been completed. This is like I said, this is a very really good intriguing matchup because Jacob Coker and Kyle Allen, they are. Prone to making a mistake, making that one mistake that can that can kill you. But you haven't seen it from from Kyle Allen yet. But you've seen it from you've seen it from Jacob Coker um, with the interception late. But in, in the in the in the Ole Miss game. But other than that, I mean, you got two solid quarterbacks here, and. I like Alabama in this matchup because I like their defense. They they, they finally come together in the secondary. Um, so I just think that I think that it, it's gonna be it's gonna be whoever has the ball last will win this game. Kind of like how it was a couple of years ago in the same matchup between uh, AJ McCann and and um, Johnny Manziel. So. Um, I like the matchup there, um, so I, I'm gonna go A and M. But now the biggie for me is Michigan, Michigan State. It's a three thirty game, ABC. Ran out of time here. Um, you know, fifty third playing of the, of the Paul Bunyan Trophy for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Um, got two great head coaches, D'Antonio and Harbaugh. Five and one. You know, five and one, six and zero. Oh. Going to come down to the running games for both teams, and that's just point blank. Period. You know what you what you're going to get out of your excuse me out of your quarterbacks. Um, Rudolph on one side, Connor Cook on the other. You know what you're going to get out of those out of those guys. So it's basically down to the defenses. What defense is going to crack first? You know, will that young true freshman defense, will that young defense of Michigan step up to the occasion? Will that veteran, rugged, SEC-type defense from Michigan State step up? This is one of those games where the the, the immovable force meets the irresistible, I mean, the, the force meets the immovable object. You know, 
you know, it's just it's just one of those games. They're gonna butt heads. It's gonna be a classic Big Ten matchup. A classic Big Ten matchup. It's gonna be. It's gonna go back to. This is one of those games where it's gonna go back to Sam Beckler. Sam Beckler versus Wells type of matchup, and where it's three yards to cloud of dust. They're gonna run the ball. They're gonna run the ball all night long. They're gonna pass the ball when when the ball needs to be passed. They're gonna slap each other in the mouth when they, when they need to slap each other in the mouth. This is just one of those games where you're going to enjoy it. But I like Michigan because they're playing at home. I like Michigan because they're playing at home. And even though Michigan State six and zero, the thing about them being six and zero is that they've given up. They've given up points that they shouldn't have given up. They made things closer. They've they've had their struggles a little bit, um, but I like Michigan because I like the wave of, of, of confidence that, that, that they have right now. Three straight shutouts by that defensive Michigan. They've got a great running game going going there with that big 5'11", 230-pound running back they have. I mean, Michigan State's got, got running backs also. They can they can they can take the ball, take them, talk the mail as well. So this is one of those games where you just you 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 get excited about it. You get excited about it because it's Michigan, it's Michigan State. You know, it's an in-state rivalry. I mean, it's it's almost as if you're playing Ohio State at times. So I like Michigan. I, I like Michigan in a close game. I think it's gonna be a I think it's gonna be a field goal game. And that that that's that's my that's my thought on that. And I have ninety seconds left on here on the air. Um so yeah, I think Michigan's gonna gonna take back the Paul Bunyan trophy today. Um oh yeah, um Thank you to thank you to everybody who's listening to the show. Special special congratulations go out to Clipper Story. Um uh, special congratulations go out to the Buford, to the uh the Beulah Bobcats uh for that for that big win, their first win of the season. Um special thanks to everybody who's listening, my parents, my mom, my dad, uh Casey Cordier, uh my admin Wendy, my man T Rex, check him out Tuesdays. Um Turn uh, on a live by on live by chance show. We're a part. Of, we are a conglomerate. We we are the new. We are what we say we are. We the best. We the best. So y'all be careful today. Wherever game you're going to, please be careful. And let's go tailgate. And I'll see you next week. I'm out. Come on.